detour from that because, again, uh, we want to just encourage you in your time with the Lord to make sure you establish those principles because uh, that's critically important for us. But I wanted to, I want you to turn with me uh, to First Thessalonians, the third chapter. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few verses here. I want to talk about tonight just from this subject, take a stand. Okay, everybody say take a stand. You know, we're living in times where people won't take a stand. Um, and a lot of times people won't take a stand because they fear that someone is going to get mad at them. Someone is going to cease from fellowshipping with them. Somebody is going to um, uh, do something to them. Somebody's going to uh, cause some type of calamity to come their way. And so we won't take a stand, uh, especially as believers. You know, there are times when we're called upon to stand up and represent Christ in various arenas uh, that we find ourselves walking in, whether it be in our uh, in our homes, uh, uh, again, in our places of employment, even in church. Sometimes we find that believers won't take a stand against stuff that the enemy is throwing our way, all right? So what I want to do is uh, take a look at uh, this third chapter, and we'll, we'll, we'll hone in on verse number eight. But in this particular letter, the apostle Paul is the writer, and most of y'all are familiar with this. We've actually studied this first and, Thess first and second Thessalonians before. But Paul writes this letter here to the, 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 the saints, the church at Thessalonica, to try to strengthen them in their faith and to give them assurance of Christ's return because this church was facing uh, some persecution uh, and people were coming against them. And so Paul is encouraging this church to take a stand. All right. So let's look at, if you will, uh, in your Bible, we'll read from the King James version of scripture, starting at verse number six. And then we'll look at this entire chapter, but start at verse number six, when Paul is writing here, and he says this, but now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we are comforted over you in all our affliction and distressed by your faith. For now we live... For, for now we live if you stand fast in the Lord, if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith, that we might perfect that which is lacking in your faith, okay? In, uh, we'll stop our reading there and we'll, we'll go back and catch uh, the first verse and, and move down here. But in the first two chapters of this book, Paul had explained how the church was born and how, how it was nurtured. And so now uh, he's dealing with the next step in maturity, which is how the church was to stand. You know, once a person gets born again, it's important for them not to remain in the baby state. Why is, that, why is that important that we not remain in, in a state of babiness, if I can use that term? 
Why is that important? John, why is it important that we not remain babies? Okay, so if we're, not, if we're not mature, we're not able to handle those things that God has prepared for exactly right. Because babies, babies can only do so much, correct? In the natural realm, a baby can only do so much. And so uh, the same thing happens in the spiritual realm because we saw that, again, with the church at Corinth, which we study all the time, how the Corinthian believers uh, were flourishing in spiritual gifts, but they were spiritual babies, correct? And so it's critically important. So Paul is encouraging this church here uh, to... Uh, to uh, you've been born again and you've been nurtured. So now let's take a stand for our faith because before any child can walk, they got to learn how to stand up first, right? Do y'all remember those days when your baby first stood up and you were just so excited, right? They, they, I, I, I don't think I'm gonna get down because if I get down, I may not can't get up. Maria and I were talking the other day, uh, uh, Coach Fig, and we said that the older you get, you can't just go down like you used to. You know, if you're gonna get down and lay on your on the ground, you got to kind of ease on down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have to ease on down. But when that baby's crawling, when they first kind of get up and try to stand, we clap, right? We're like, woo, big boy, big girl. But that's not the end of the progression. If they all they do is stand, but don't learn how to walk, then their, their growth is and in, in their, in their ability to be that, that vibrant human being is going to be stunted because they, all they do is to stand up. And so what Paul is doing here is he's, he's encouraging them to stand, but 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 the standing is the precursor to doing something else, to walking and flourishing in your faith. So he writes here and he begins to encourage them because he's talking in this third chapter how the church was to stand. The key word in this chapter here is the word established. Look with me at verse number one right quick because we, we need to take a stand. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, learn how to take a stand. Because I, I, there are too many Christians who who fail to uh, take a stand for truth and are honest with people. Uh, there are too many Christians who placate other believers and don't take a stand for truth because all of us need to be encouraged by somebody else. All right? We are to exhort one another. We are our brother's keepers, and it's very important for us to make sure that we take a stand and, and uh, for truth, okay? So watch this. He says, wherefore... Wherefore, uh, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. The next verse says what? Uh, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Everybody say establish, establish. and comfort. Now, uh, we, when we look at this text, and we're going to walk down through this, this, this entire chapter. Uh, the Lord said the same. But Paul explained three ministries that he performed to help these new Christians become firmly established. He's going to, he's going to explain three ministries that he performed to help these Christians become established. Because once we lead someone to Christ, once we uh, bring someone into the faith, it's critically important that we don't lead them alone. 
uh, I think the most common mistake that a lot of churches make, and it's not we've, we've made this mistake, and a lot of other churches have made the very same mistake, is that when we bring people into the fold, especially new converts or people who are saved and they come and be a part of our fellowship, uh, I think one of the things that we have to get better at as a church and Christianity as a whole has to get better at is, is helping to nurture and to develop people in their walk, especially newbies, especially newborns, those who just accepted Christ their personal Savior, especially those seven we baptized the other Sunday, right? We can't afford to lead them by themselves. And so Paul here, what he's, what he's, 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 what he's going to do here in this text, in this, this particular chapter, he's going to explain three, three ministries that he performed to help these new Christians become firmly established. One of the saddest commentaries that we can have as a church and me as a pastor is to know that that, that there are people who are part of this body and who've been here for, for a significant period of time, 5, 10, 15, 20 years or so, and yet there's, they're not maturing in their faith. They've been a part of the body, but the growth is not exhibited in their, in their daily lives. Are y'all listening to me? That's, that, that, that's, that's something that, that bothers me as a pastoral leader because I recognize and I understand that Jesus gave us a command to go and make disciples. Do y'all do understand that, right? And as I told you before, disciple making uh, requires work. It requires time. It requires us being willing to give of ourselves to pour into the lives of others. Are you listening to me? So Paul here says, he says in verse one, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Look at verse three with me right quick. Verse three. Watch what it says here. Are you there with me? Let's, let's read it. That no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. From the New Living Translation, this is read this way and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Now watch what he says. He says, we are destined for such trouble. We are destined for attacks from the enemy. We are destined to face persecution. Everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus has to and will suffer persecution. Are y'all with me? All that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Amen? So what he's doing is letting them know that, that, that troubles are going to come. We're going to have situations that come up in our lives. And we've been talking about the storms of life. Remember that? And, and then here uh, this, this past couple of Sundays, we've been talking about be still and know that I'm God. So that whenever we are facing an issue, when we are in a position that Jehoshaphat was in, surrounded by the enemy, we still have to be still and trust and know that God has our back. Amen? Now, I'm telling you now, uh, when, when you start, when you, when, you, when you take a stand at work, when you take a stand at home, it can cause a little friction. Am I right about it? It, let, let's just give the example of, of, of a husband and wife, and, and I, I, I like to use marital examples because those of you all who are married or been married know that this is 
This is something that, that commonly occurs because you got two different people trying to live together who've come together in, in holy matrimony and covenant relationship, but that becoming one part uh, can be tough, right? And so one, maybe y'all agree that, okay, we can't afford to do this right now, but the other one says, I want to do it right now. And then so the one who, who, who says we can't do it right now because I'm looking at where we are, the other one says, I want to do it right now, and the one who knows you can't do it right now has to be willing to take a stand and say, we, I, I love you, but we can't do it right now. And be willing to take the blowback. You know what the problem that most of us have in our relationships is we don't like the blowback. We don't like the criticism. We don't, we, we don't want the other person to be angry with us. So what do we do? We just placate or what do you say? Go alone to get alone. And show me in your Bible where it says go alone to get alone. Huh? It, it's not there. We have a responsibility to take a stand. All right? For truth. And so what we're, what we're looking at here is Paul says, he says, uh, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through, but you know that we are destined for such trouble, okay? We are destined for such trouble. Verses four and five with me right quick. Let's read that, okay? Talk about taking a stand. Notice what he says. Even while we were with you, we warned you that troubles would soon come, and they did, as you well know. Look at verse 5. Let's go. It says what? That is why when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Now notice what Paul says here. He says, I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Okay, so we said Paul, Paul explained three ministries that he performed to help these new Christians become firmly established. The first ministry was this. Number one, write this down. The first ministry that he performed to help this church be, become firmly established was, number one, he sent them a helper. He sent them a helper. Who was that helper? Timothy. What was Timothy's relationship with Paul? His son in the ministry. He was his spiritual son and he sent them Timothy, amen, to, to, to help firmly establish them in the faith. Now, when Paul and his friends left Thessalonica, they had went to Berea and ministered the word of God. But the troublemakers from Thessalonica followed them and stirred up the opposition. Y'all remember that? Paul, Paul left for Athens while Silas and Timothy remained at Berea. Go, go with me right with the Acts the 17 chapter. And let's look at verse, verses 10 through 15, Acts 17, verses 10 through 15. So that they, they followed them around. How many of you know the enemy will follow you around? The enemy will send people your way to discourage you. But I want, I want, I want every one of you all here to know that no matter what type of discouragement, no matter what kind of uh, uh, threats that the enemy throws your way, know and understand that God has you covered. If you will trust in him, he's going to provide for you. Look what Acts, the 17th chapter, and let's look down at verse number 10 right quick. He says, uh, that very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. Now when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Verse 11 says, and the people of Berea 
I like those folks, were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. How many know sometimes you deal with people who are open-minded, who are open to hearing what the scripture has to say, and then there are others who are closed-minded? The text says here, uh, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Look at this part here, and this is, this is what I want. I want EBC to be known as this. It says they did what? They searched the scriptures day by day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Okay, now stop there. As your pastor, I want to challenge you to search the scriptures day by day to see if I'm telling you the truth. Because I don't want anybody in here to go away doubting what the word of God says. I want you to search it. If, if it don't sound right, go, go and dig beneath the surface. I, I challenge you to go and search the scripture to see if what I'm telling you is actually true. That's what, that's what the folks at Berea did. Now look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. As a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Okay? So, but when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. All right? They followed them. Now, Paul and Paul and had left Thessalonica, uh, where they obviously had, had impact and the people were growing. And but he was concerned about them standing because guess what? He sent Timothy to check on them. Why did he send Timothy to, to check on them? Because you had these kind of fools in Thessalonica. And they followed him to Berea. So he was concerned about that. He knew what kind of folks were back there. And whenever you're dealing with a, a, a people like that, you, you know, obviously he was concerned about the welfare of, of the, these new converts that, that he left there in Thessalonica. He said, but when, some, but when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. Look at verses 14 and 15, and we're going to keep moving, okay? It says, the believers acted at once, sending Paul along to the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. Verse 15 says, those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join him. Not join him, join him, okay? Uh, so uh, apparently we see that uh, Paul did join, uh, that Timothy did join Paul in Athens because we, we see that when we look in that, um, in 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, he says, we, uh, but Paul sent him back to Thessalonica to help the young church that was going through tribulation. So, so, so several important factors uh, were involved in that move. First of all, Paul was concerned about them. Guys, uh, uh, go, go back to 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter right quick. He was concerned about him. It's important for us to be concerned about other believers. It's too easy for us to, to do life as believers and don't focus in on our fellow man. We don't live this life to ourselves, guys, and that's what we got to do as a church body. We, we, we can't afford to live this life uh, to ourselves. We, we, we got to realize that we have a responsibility to care for our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Are y'all listening to me today? Okay, so let's get back to First Thessalonians, the third chapter right quick. Everybody say, take a stand. All right, taking a stand requires some courage because there are going to be times when uh, people aren't going to like what we say and aren't going to like what we do. But as long as we're standing on truth, we ought to have the confident assurance that God is on our side. So, so Paul, Paul had a concern for him. Look what he says in verse number one. Let's back up. 
He says, wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to never get so engrossed in your own situation, in your own problems, that you fail to look out and see if another brother or sister needs your help and your assistance. That's critically important because we want to be a church that's known for helping others. And so Paul here, in his effort to get this church at Thessalonica to take a stand, he sends them, first of all, a helper uh, uh, to, in, in the form of Timothy to, to make sure that they are being established. Because let's, let's go down to verse number three and uh, one more time. Uh, verse number three says this in the KJV, that no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed there unto. Afflictions are going to come, okay? As a believer, you must understand that the enemy is going to try to attack, that we're going to face some persecution when we live a right for God. Does everybody understand that? Okay? All right. So, so, Paul, so Paul, Paul loved these Thessalonians believers that, that, that he, he, would, he, he would have risked his own life to return to them, okay? So, but, but he sent Timothy to check on them, all right? So Timothy had, was a man of character. Timothy was a man whom Paul trusted to be able to go and check on them. You know, here's what I've learned uh, as a believer. There will be some people who we are in such close fellowship with that we can trust them to check on people for us, all right? As a pastor, I want to be able to call on anybody in here and have you to go check on someone and know that when you go check on them, you ain't going to mess them up. In other words, you're not going to go over there with a bunch of foolishness, all right? Now, the only way I can have a degree of comfort, Brendan, knowing that is, is that I, I need to know that you are a regular digester of God's holy and infallible word. I need to understand that, hey, along with your education, along with your common sense, along with your, your experiences in life, that you cannot leave out, amen, the spiritual mantra that comes from being filled with the Holy Ghost and being a believer who dies deeply into God's word. Because God will show you his principles. God will show you his pathway for your life when you dig into the scripture text. So when I'm talking to you, I, you know, about anything, whether it's marriage, whether it's about finances, whether it's about uh, career, I want to be able to go to the word of God. And I want you to be able to go to the word of God and encourage someone out of the scripture. Speak to them. Amen. Give them a plan, but also give them spiritual guidance. Because that's why we're here, to give spiritual guidance. So Paul sent Timothy to go and help equip them. Let's, let's, let's move on down, if you will, to verse number four, and then we'll keep moving there a little bit further on down, okay? So Timothy was a, was a brother that Paul trusted. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And you know, look at verse number five. Let's go. For this cause, when I could not long, for, no longer forbear, I sent I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. In other words, my, my ministering to you would have become useless because you became discouraged by the attacks that the enemy threw your way. Now, how many of y'all are honest enough with me tonight to say, Pastor, there are times in my walk with the Lord where I got discouraged because of people? Anybody in the house? You know, people who you thought were a little bit more 
spiritually grounded than what they what you found them to be. Those are the kind of people who can really discourage you. Right. And how many of you know that the enemy will use those people who claim or who may be Christians, but they're baby Christians. See, when you're a baby Christian, you're easily influenced to do stuff that you should not do, right? You can talk a five-year-old a lot of time into doing something that you, that you shouldn't be able to. I mean, well, some, some 19-year-old you can talk into doing stuff. But, but a baby is easily influenced because a baby is naturally trusting. Do y'all understand that? If you tell that baby, I mean, that seven, eight-year-old or 10-year-old that you're going to do something for them and you're going to get them something, that you're going to promise them something for Christmas, guess what? They're going to trust your word in, in, uh, in, in most cases until you prove over and over again that you don't follow your word. So they're, but they're, they're easily influenced. So Paul here uh, is writing because he, he wants these, these, these Christians to know that persecution is going to come. That's a part of our walk with the Lord, but don't become discouraged. All right. So he sent Timothy to do that. Look at verse number six. Let's go verse number six. So he sent first thing he did was the first ministry that he performed to help these new Christians become firm established. He sent them a helper. He sent someone to help them. OK. All, and all of us need some help. OK. All of us need some help because he, he didn't want them to go backwards in their faith walk. Um, so uh, verse number six, let's read it. Go to the NLT on verse number six. OK. Verse number six, the text says here, watch this, watch this. But now Timothy has just returned. Look at what he says, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Now, this is critically important here because after Timothy, after Paul sent Timothy to check on him, Timothy came back with a good report saying, hey, the folks at Thessalonica are standing strong. Yes, they face persecution, but they're standing strong. Look at what he says here. He says, he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. How many of y'all want to see your pastor? I mean, not just at church. How many of y'all want to see me at your house? That's fine. That's okay if I come to your house. Y'all sure? How about on a Friday night? When you just got paid, that's you still okay. All right, all right. I just want to know because some folks on Friday night, you know how it was in some folks out on a Friday night when they get paid, it's going down, right? How many of y'all were that way when you were out there in the world, huh? Got got went cash that check. You went cash your check at Thrifty Liquor, right? Because you know what you were getting ready to do. I want to know, can I come over your house on Friday night after payday? All right. So they were missing. He says, he reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Look at verse number seven. Watch this. Watch this. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. Now, guys, uh, it's important that we that we catch hold to what Paul is saying here and, and how uh, how he, he says, we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our tr troubles and suffering, dear brother, because you have remained strong in faith. Their testimony of remaining strong or standing, uh, or taking a stand for truth in, in spite of the persecution encouraged the Apostle Paul. Uh, something that he said apparently took root 
in their hearts and their lives that enabled them to face the opposition that came their way. So in order for us to stand, you remember, you remember the, uh, the parable that Jesus gave of the two types of sand, if a man builds his house uh, on, a, on a solid rock or if a man builds his house on the sand. Both of them look good when, they be, when they're growing up and being built, right? Both of them look like awesome mansions. But the way you can tell how solid the foundation is is when storms come. The way I can tell as your pastor whether or not you're really standing strong and whether or not you really have embraced and, and, and captured the truth of God's word is when storms come in your life, when people turn on you, when conflict arises, uh, when things don't go your way in church, then I really begin to see how you perform, what you're really made out of. The storms, the wind beat against both of those houses that Jesus gave in that parable, but the one, only one of them failed to stand. That was the one that was built on a faulty foundation, on the sand. The one that was built on a solid rock withstood the test of time test of time, excuse me. So in your walk with the Lord, one of the things we got to realize is that, that our faith will not show its genuineness until it is challenged. Because the enemy is going to send stuff to challenge our faith. And you don't really know that you believe what you believe until you have to show that you believe that you believe. Are y'all tracking with it? I've said it before and I said it again. I don't know that you're really my true friend until, until we get into conflict. I don't know that you really are with me until, until we have to walk through something together. Because a lot of people will tell you that they're with you until you do something that they don't like. You make a decision that they don't agree with. And then now you're going to really see if they're really with you. Man, I, you know, you might ride or die, dude. You know, yeah, okay, yeah, until I said that and you didn't like that. See, when it comes to the body and the ministry of Christ, then until you can walk through something. I'm not saying you go make up something, but if you're with people long enough, I'm here to tell you, if you're in a relationship with somebody long enough, at some point in time, there's going to be a disagreement that pops up. And your level of maturity will be shown in how you handle the disagreement. Are y'all listening to me? Okay. Timothy, whom Paul sent to encourage them, was the ideal man to send to this church to help them stand firm. Because Timothy and Titus, again, were Paul's son in the ministry. They were, they were sort of like his special agents who he used uh, uh, to, to, to go and troubleshoot what's going on in some of these churches that he, had, that he established that were having some problems, okay? Paul sent Timothy to Corinth to help straighten out the problems that they had there. Uh, you see that over in 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter. He also planned to send Timothy to help the saints at Philippi. So he would go in and make sure that those churches were established in the faith. So Standing, taking a stand means that we got to put ourselves in a position to where when opposition comes, we know what we believe. All right, let's get back to uh, our text here uh, in, in, in this uh, seventh verse, okay? Uh, I'm sorry, go down with me to verse, uh, verse number nine. Go, to, go down to verse number nine right quick, all right? So the first thing he did was uh, we said that he sent them a helper, right? Second thing he does, he sent them a letter. He sent them a letter or, or wrote them a letter, okay? He wrote them a letter. Second thing, he sent them a helper 
and he wrote them a letter. How many know it's good to, to get a word of encouragement from someone? You know, the art of writing letters has almost dissipated in our society, hasn't it? When was the last time you sat down and actually wrote a letter to somebody? Handwritten. It's been a long time, hasn't it? How many know, uh, uh, Stafford, if you get Kathy a card for Valentine's Day, it'll mean much more to Kathy if you write in that card rather than, I mean, it's, it's okay to get one that's already made up and got the poem in it and it rhymes and dines, but, and then you say love Stafford. But if you, if you take the time to, to write a print, something in your own words, in your own handwriting, Kathy's going to look at that a little bit longer and she's going to cherish that a lot longer than if you just pull one off the shelf and all you did was sign your name to it. How many, you know, if I'm going to give a card, even if they got writing in it, I, I'm going to write something in there. Some of y'all look at me like, well, well, I don't do that, but Pastor. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you out, okay? Stan, I'm trying to help you out now. You, writing, amen, has impact and it has power. Now, it's okay to type it, but, you know, it, it, and because we, you know, we, we use we use whatever we, we use in technology wise, but there's there's something about the handwritten letter. And of course, they didn't have typewriters back here. They didn't have uh, word processors. They didn't have PCs to, uh, to to type it. But you, if, if you type it or write it in your own words, that has greater impact than something you pull off the shelf and just said. Would y'all agree? So, but Paul here writes them a letter. Uh, look at verse. Uh, Back up to verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. Verse 8 right quick, okay? The text says, it, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. It gives us new life to know that you're standing firm in the Lord. Now look at the next verse. Verse number 9 says, how we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Him knowing that this church uh, was standing firm and taking a stand in the midst of persecution, help give Paul great joy. And I tell you guys all the time, no greater joy that I have as a pastor when I hear you tell me that pastor, you know, what you preached on and the word that you gave, uh, we applied that and and it it, it transformed our life. I, 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 a sister blessed me here just recently. Um, and and she, she, she mentioned to me, she said, pastor, we came, we heard that word that you preached. Um, and I, I think I may have been talking about it. You know, if 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 she's worth having, you ought to put a ring on her finger, something like that. And and so th this individual went and got married. They said that word convicted us, and we want to do what's right. And man, you know what? I I I want. I almost shouted right there when she came and told me that. I gave a gigantic hug. I said, I'm so proud of you guys. Because whenever somebody hears the word and then responds to that word, man, I get great joy. And that's what's happening here with Paul here. He, he sent Timothy to check on him. And when he, Timothy came back with a good report, Paul says, what a great joy. Amen. I get great joy as I, when I enter into God's presence based on what you are doing and how you are taking a stand to not be moved by the enemy, okay, who comes our way, okay? So he wrote them a letter um, uh, to, he, he, Paul wrote some, this letter uh, to, to, uh, to encourage them and to let them know that he's 
proud of them. He's, he's got great joy based on what they have done, okay? All right, so let's, let's, let's move on down. The next thing I want you to, um, to just jot down, um, uh, one of the things that, that, that helped to establish them was their time in the Word, okay? Uh, the Bible, listen, listen to this real carefully, the Bible is able to establish us because it is the inspired Word of God. You can't be established when you're facing persecution, when you when the enemy is coming against you. If you don't spend time in meditation and time in uh, pondering and time in, 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 in reviewing and, and, and putting the word of God before your face. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, I've always said in, in and I want you to turn with me to Second Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16. One, one scripture that we really sort of take out of context because we use our modern language when we read it in the KJV, um, is that scripture that says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, that's, you know, in the original language, study doesn't mean study like we think study means. Really, that means to be diligent, be consistent, to be steady in the word of God. Because really, the word of God talks about obeying it. It talks about observing to do. Uh, it talks about meditating in it. And when you meditate, observe, and you do it, uh, then you'll be walking in line with God's will. Go to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, uh, and we'll look at verse number 16. But that, when we read that, uh, that verse that talks about in KJV, study to show yourself approving of God, it means, it, study means to, to be consistent in obeying the word. So, because here, here's what can happen. We took that to mean studying like studying a textbook, and that's what most people do. They go study like a textbook. But really, the word of God is to be obeyed. We have to get understanding. But what that, what that verse was really talking about is, is being consistent in obeying what that word says, right? Not just studying, because how many of y'all know people who study the word of God, but they don't do the word of God? And so uh, you can study, but that's not going to show you being approved to God, but being diligent in obeying and, and being consistent in putting yourself under the authority of that word, it's going to show that you're approved by God. Not just studying it, in the, in the sense of studying like we think about studying. Y'all got me? Because there, there are people who, who are in their word, but they're not doing any of it. And you're not approved just because you're in the word, learning how to dissect the chapter. God is looking for obedience. I've said it before and i said it again. The blessing is in the doing, right? The blessing is in the doing, not just the hearing. The blessing is in the doing. And so if, you, if you're not walking in God's blessing, check out how much of God's word you're doing. All right? So uh, uh, if we're going to walk in his blessing, we got, to, we got to make sure that we walk in his word. Look at what the text says. And y'all, we, 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 we go over this constantly, but I want this to be so ingrained in your spirit because this is what's going to enable you to take a stand. Look at what the text says. Read it with me. It says what? All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So what, what does that, what, what, what is useful to teach us what is true? What? Scripture. And what makes us realize what is wrong? The scripture. Okay. So could we deductively uh, make a statement that if I uh, don't get into the word, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to know what is true and I'm not going to know, I'm not going to realize what's wrong in my life in a lot of cases, Right. Because that's what it says. Scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us 
when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That's what the word of God does. The Bible is able to establish us because it is inspired by God. It's not just a, a religious book of good ideals and moral values. It is the very word of God, okay? So 1 Thessalonians is saturated with Bible doctrine. Every major doctrine of faith is touched on in, in, in these brief chapters here. So Paul is saying, you guys take a stand, you guys stay established, and I'm proud of the fact that you have done that, okay? So he wrote them a letter to encourage them in, in that. And so I've been talking to you guys about strategy for word time because I, want, I really want you to understand something. Um, if, we don't, uh, if we don't spend appropriate time renewing our mind with the word, then our mind is going to be renewed with something. Okay? And here's what happens, guys. I'm, I'm telling you right now. You, you me, everybody here. Here's what happens. If we don't spend the appropriate time renewing our mind with the scriptures, then our mind is going to be renewed with something else. It's going to be renewed with what we see on television, what we hear and experience over radio or, or, or wherever we may be. And so if we don't allow that word to have its, a proper time to renew us, then we're going we're gonna to be thinking on that stuff uh, uh, the way we've always thought on stuff. Because it's not natural for you to think godly. You don't wake up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to go and pray for that person who despitefully used me. That, your mind got to be changed to do that, right? You don't automatically get up and say, well, I'm going to go and serve this person who I know talked to me crazy last week. Lynn, you won't automatically do that, do you? It, it, it's not automatic for you to go and serve Jared when Jared made you mad, is it? It is automatic <laughs> to go do something to him <laughs> or say something to him, right? It is our natural fleshly inclination to go against what God's word says. So in order to position myself and you to position yourself to be obedient to the word because the blessing is in the obedience is that we got to renew our minds because those thoughts that come to our mind aren't naturally godly. Can everybody agree with me? How many of y'all have thought some sinful stuff this year? Come on, raise your hand. Come on. I mean, in, in various components, I'm not, you know, there's more, there's more to sin than sexual sin or, or gambling or smoking weed or drink. There's a lot of stuff that we, that we think in, uh, in harbors in our minds that we got we to gotta chase that stuff out. So, so, but if you, if you never put any word in there, those thoughts are going to dominate your, your thinking. It's, it's real, really, if you think about it, guys, it's, it's not that hard. What I feed into my mind gets down in my heart, right? So if I keep feeding my mind or allowing sinful thoughts to dominate my mind, guess what's going to get down in my heart? Those sinful acts that my thought life is, is, is imagining. Nobody ever sinned, uh, especially when it comes to uh, things that we are sins of decisions and choices without first of all thinking about it first. Right? No man or woman ever committed adultery without thinking about it first. Without planning over in your mind first. You thought about and imagined being with him and imagined being with her. Nobody ever committed fornication, sex outside of marriage without thinking about it first. 
Hello? You didn't lie without thinking about it first. Because when you were asked the question, hello, that you didn't want to answer truthfully, you had to begin to concoct the story in your mind. Right? And then it's amazing how, it's amazing, but it's also just kind of devilish how our minds will work. We'll, we'll all of a sudden, uh, when there's something that we're asking, we don't want to reveal the truth, we'll begin to map out a story and have a backstory to cover the story that we're telling on the front end. And that, and that it happens so rapidly, and, and some of y'all are real good at it. Some of y'all are not so good at it. Some of y'all are adept, uh, uh, you, you're adept at lying. Just, you can come up with stuff just like that. But guys, if we learn how to renew our mind, then when that stuff starts coming, then, then when the word props up because we've been renewing our mind, when the word says liars got their place in the lake of fire and brimstone, uh, when it says speak the truth in love, then now all of a sudden when you, you hear speak the truth in love, if that's being saturated in your mind, speak the truth in love, speak the truth in love rather than lying, then that word will overtake, amen, that sinful thought. Bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. Is that not what the word of God says? So the only way we can do that is, is have a consistent, repetitious meditation, uh, focusing on, pondering over the word of God, uh, its principles, and when, when, when those thoughts do come, because we spent time saturating our mind with what God's truth says, then it'll, it'll capture those thoughts and then put them in, in jail, okay? Y'all with me? All right, so watch it, watch it. So, uh, Paul, we said, wrote him a letter. Let's get back here to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to um, keep moving. Go back to 1 Thessalonians. So, he wrote them a letter, right? First thing he did, he, he, what, what's the first thing he did? Send him a helper, right? Everybody said, I need some help every now and then. Don't get mad when your helper comes either. In other words, sometimes people who are close enough to you know and they can sense that you're suffering, that, you, that you're having a hard time. They can sense that, you, that, you, that you're a little distant. They can sense that you're not quite where you used to be. And so when they come to you under the leading of the Holy Spirit, don't rebuff them. Because a lot of times we know that when people can kind of sense sometimes when we're, not, when we're off our game, when we're not plugged in, when we're going astray. And so when they come, you know, learn how to receive people who are coming out of love. Amen? And you don't have to, uh, listen to me carefully, you don't have to pretend like everything is all right and everything is together. Every one of us in here, if we're truthful about it, have had times in our walk with the Lord where we were not okay, that we needed some encouragement. We need somebody to, to kind of talk to us and to share some word to encourage us, to get us out of that, those doldrums, get, get us out of that, 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 that little valley mindset that we're in. So, so, so you don't have to pretend like you got it all together. That is one of the most liberating things in the world when you don't have to pretend like everything is okay when everything is not okay. I believe that we got enough godly people who know how to meet you right where you are. I know, because I'm your pastor, 
as your pastor, I'll meet you right where you are. And when I meet you right where you are, no matter how low it may be, it's not going to change how I love you. And it's not going to change how I respect you as a child of God who may be suffering right now, who may, who may be in sin right now. But I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to encourage you because I don't want you to stay there. I want you to realize and know that God loves you and he wants to bring you back in his presence. Can I get one witness up in here? And so that's the environment. That's the kind of atmosphere that we want to have at EBC where if you are hurting, somebody can help you and not try to put you in hell. Because of the truth, we told we all have, have, have had those periods of time where we were not where we needed to be. And, and, but thank God when he sends somebody to help us. Thank God uh, when somebody communicates with us through text, through email, or whatever it may be. Uh, thank God for that encouragement. Let's get back here right quick. Got to close this out. So he's, he sent him a helper. He wrote him a letter, right? All right. And lastly, he prayed for him. Look at 9 through 13, right? He prayed for him. Glory to God. Verse 9 says what? How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill the gaps in your faith. Watch this. Verse 11 says what? May God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. 12. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love over, as our love for you overflows. Now, what is overflow love? Somebody talk to me right quick. Adam, you hear the term overflow. I love overflows. What does that mean to you? Huh? More than enough. It overflows. Any of y'all ever had to fix your plate and it was overflowing? Come on now. Have you ever, you know, and there's, there's some times, guys, and I just, just, just came to mind. There, there are times, man, when, when it's the truth be told, uh, the food looks so good, smells so good, that it's almost like we think we're going to miss something, so we're going to get it all the first time. <laughs> Anybody ever been there before? Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, or just, just, just one Sunday dinner when you got greens and cornbread and baked chicken and baked pork chops and candy yams and hot water cornbread and, and look like it, look like it's, it, it, you got to get all you can because there's like some hungry folk around you. You want to make sure... That kind of overflow. Y'all follow me? Overflow means more than enough. It's, it's spilling over here. Look at what he says. It made the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. See, I, I want an atmosphere in this church, and God wants an atmosphere in this church where our love for each other it overflows. In other words, we don't hold each other up in sin, understand? We call sin out, but we also help each other if we do fall in sin. Love, uh, 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 the Bible says a friend loveth at all times. And so a friend don't walk away just because you messed up. So when love overflows, man, Paul, Paul says, you know, you'll love one another and for all people grow that means my love can grow. 
and it can overflow. And so when, when people love you and when that love is exhibited, man, that's a powerful thing. Because we, all of us need somebody to reach down and pick us up when we when we on the floor. When we, when we uh, uh, hadn't did what we supposed to do, when we messed up. Thank God for people who allow the love of God to overflow in their lives. Amen? Amen. The word of God and prayer, guys, go together. Amen? Um, just write this down. You don't have to look it up, but 1 Samuel 12 and 23 said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That's what the prophet Samuel says. But I will teach you the good and the right way. I, I don't want to stop praying for you. That's why when the prayer request list comes around, guys, as soon as you read it, pray right then. Don't delay. Pray right then. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Uh, Peter said this in Acts the sixth chapter, verse number four says, but we, the, talking about the apostles, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We're going to give ourselves to continue to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Paul had the same emphasis over in Acts 20 and 32. He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God uh, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Okay. I commend you to God through, through the avenue of prayer, okay, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Jesus prayed for his disciples, just like Paul prayed for the Thessalonican Christians, okay? He, he prayed that their faith fell. Now, look at Luke 22 with me right quick. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. So he prayed for them, guys. Specifically, guys, as you go there, specifically, he prayed that their faith might mature. Okay? That their faith might mature. He also prayed that their love would abound, would grow and overflow, right? And he prayed that they would live a life of holiness. All right? Watch what the text says here. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Verse 32 says, But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, talking about Peter that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers, okay? So Paul prayed for them, guys, because he wanted them to take a stand for Christ and to be established, to be established in the faith. Let's go back right quick, verse 11, and down to verse 13, and we're we wrapping this up, okay? Glory to God. Verse 11 says again, it says, may God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. Again, verse 12, and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. Okay, 13, may he as a result make your heart strong. How many, how many need, how many of you ever had a period of time when, you, when your heart was hurting? Have you ever had a period of time where you, Maybe you've been through something. Maybe it was a health issue. Maybe it was a relationship turmoil. Maybe it was just you got hurt in the church or whatever. And, and just it seemed like your heart just hurt. It's like you couldn't get yourself back where it needed to be. Um, Paul just kind of prays. He says, may, may he as a result make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. So he's, he's, he's encouraging them 
to take a stand, to, to be established in your faith. And guys, as your pastor, one of the things that I, I, I would love to see, each one of us in here standing strong, being steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what we got to have. If we're going to be a church, guys, that, that's, that's having kingdom impact, that's advancing kingdom principles, we cannot afford to, to, to be wishy-washy. We got to take a stand. We got to be willing to be established. And when persecution comes, and it will happen, when the enemy attacks us, he will. It's going to come. Know it. But in all of that, you keep standing. I believe in the God that's in you. Do you hear me? I believe in the God that's in every last one of you all in here. I don't believe in, in any of us in our flesh. I don't even believe in myself in my flesh. Because uh, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, just like in your flesh dwelleth no good thing. But I do believe in the God who's in you. He saved you, he delivered you, and he wants to use you. Yeah, you. Well, but Pastor, I, be, I don't care where you've been. God says, if you just repent and make yourself uh, uh, humble uh, before me, I will lift you up and I will use you to advance my kingdom principles. So Paul, again, let's read those three things that he did, and we're going to we're going to go to the house and take a stand. What's the first thing he did? He sent a helper. So when God sends a helper, don't turn him away, okay? Don't turn people away who God sends to encourage you, to check on you, amen? I know some people don't like people to come over to their house. Uh, they, they're a little funny about that kind of stuff. But listen, you learn how to, learn how to open yourself up. One of, the, one, of the, one of the worst things in the world that you can do as a Christian is to, is, to, is to operate and move in isolation. Too many Christians are isolated. When you isolate yourself from other people who are trying to encourage and help you, then you put yourself in a position where the enemy can have a field day in your mind. And that's where it starts, in your mind. You'll be thinking stuff about people that ain't even true, but because you by yourself, you, you, you'll, you'll think of stuff and it becomes real to you simply because you don't have somebody to help encourage you and to get your mind back right. So he sent them a helper. What else did he do? Second thing he did was what? He wrote them a letter, okay? Uh, I want to challenge you to write, it may not be a, a, a full page letter, but write a note to somebody who, who you feel like has blessed you or somebody who you think needs encouragement. Write a note or send them a text. And you, you, you can use it, you, you, your phone to text them or email them. But, but this week, write, write a note of encouragement to somebody, okay? So y'all need to write that down. I, I ain't, ain't nobody writing there. I need that's your assignment. See, see how y'all are? Y'all just y'all just want to come listen to me talk. No, you got an assignment, okay? So you need to write that down. Write someone a note of encouragement uh, uh, this week, okay? Write someone a note of encouragement, and just just you know whatever God lays in your heart, just write them a note of encouragement. Don't have to be very long, but write somebody a note of encouragement, okay? Well, y'all do that. Will you do that? I, I, I need to see the hands of everybody that's going to write a note of encouragement. Let's see your hand real quick. Okay. Glory. Y'all writing? Everybody write? Staff, are you writing one? Okay. Don't write to Kathy. I already told you about Kathy. Kathy she already, but write to somebody. Else. I'm just messing with the staff. Good to see you, my brother. <laughs> All right. Y'all got that? So write someone a note. Or you can even text them. Just text them and say, hey, we're praying for you. I want you to know you're a blessing. God loves you. I love you too. Whatever, whatever God lays up in your heart, do that, okay? So right now, he prayed for him. Third, he prayed for him, right? So, guys, uh, you know, we got to be willing to stand. 
And Paul encouraged this Thessalonican church to stand. And he found out when Timothy came back with the report that they indeed were establishing the faith because he was afraid that maybe the tempter had came and nullified all the work that he had done. But it's good when, when, when God checks on you or somebody else checks on you and they find out that you're thriving in your faith, okay? I want us to thrive in ministry here at EBC, amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you guys.